Thank you for visiting New Song Community Church on the web at newsongpdx.com. We pray that you will be blessed by listening to the message today. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the word every Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located on the corner of Russell Street at 2511 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. We're going to go to John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, then verses 11 through 27. And then we'll go over to Romans just to pick up a couple of scriptures there that will be the text that we'll be reading from today and what we'll be, what we'll be celebrating today. John chapter 11, verse 1. Here we go. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard of it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that, that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the same place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Going on with the story, we pick it up and he says this. Then these things he said after that he had said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said to him, Lord, if if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe, and nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go, let us also go that we may die with him. So when they came, uh, when So, excuse me. So when Jesus came, he found that he was already been in the grave for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him and said to him. "Now, Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But um, even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Well, let's pray before we enter into this word. Father, today there are some things we're going to discover about life. We're going to discover about death. We're going to discover about what it means to really have trust in you. We're going to discover about your love for us, your unconditional love for us, and even in circumstances where it doesn't seem like 
You're responding to the things that we're, that we're asking of you. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just take over this word and help us to come to a place of resolve, knowing that you're always here for us. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. My subject today, I think it will be very interesting for some, is knowing the power of his resurrection. If that being the case, here's a couple of things I just want to mention to you. <clears throat> for many of us, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus is focused upon the events that transpired early on Sunday morning, which is actually the first day of the week. Those who came to the tomb brought, were bringing spices and others uh, to resolve their curiosity surrounding Jesus, claimed that he would rise from the dead, were met with both surprise and wonderment about what they discovered. However, the real centerpiece of this of the resurrection occurred several weeks prior to that glorious morning at the grave when Lazarus set the stage for the understanding of the resurrection was not an event, but rather the person of Jesus Christ. As we examine the events that center around this, I will call this pre-resurrection of Lazarus, I believe, ushered in the resurrection of Jesus, which empowers all believers to experience life. The word resurrection, when divine, means, and this is real important, to bring a dead person back to life, reviving something that has ended with an assignment of purpose, to cause something that has ended and was forgotten or lost to exist again or to be used again. I think a more purposeful word for us is in uh, the day of our economics is recycling, recycling or repurposing something. In other words, bringing life out of it that People would throw it away, but now it's really got something that's useful. Here's the questions we'll look at today. First question is this. Are you presently struggling with disappointment regarding the things that you put to rest, believing that they are beyond hope to ever be brought back to life again? I don't know, with all the things that have happened with, with the COVID-19 virus, and we've had to face death in a whole different dimension. And in some ways, they were already celebrating in New York there weren't as many deaths as they thought there were going to be, but every death is devastation to someone. And I, I pray that today we'll understand some things that, that disappointment is, because we didn't, some of us thought we weren't going to be the one that was to experience this, and we're disappointed, we're more than disappointed, we're devastated when it comes knocking on our door. But looking at it a little bit further, number two, has disappointment of what you believed Jesus might do in a situation been overridden by the loss of opportunity to see it come to pass? In other words, you thought you knew what Jesus was going to do, and he didn't do it. Not in your time frame, not at all. And lastly, are you blaming God for things that he has allowed that you, <clears throat> that you know he could have prevented and has chosen not to? I don't know how to explain disappointment, and I don't know how to tell you to navigate disappointment, but this story really is, is reeking with that whole uh, point of view. Here's a statement I'd like to make for us to, to examine. Jesus' love is often proved by the things he does not do that we were expecting him to, to do. How do you show love to someone who's expecting you to do something that's going to rescue them, and they don't do it. 
And how is that love? Well, what about this? There was there was no lack of love between Mary and Martha and Jesus and Lazarus. So the fact that when they notify him that that you know there's something going on, uh, uh, he you know you would you you'd have an expectation there would be a different response. Well, he'd been to their house on several occasions. I think it's fair to say that he probably enjoyed you know Martha's cooking. I mean you know. He, he liked hot wings. He liked, you know, greens and cornbread. He liked a lot of different things. So the, the girl could throw down. He liked going to her house. Uh, maybe wasn't quite like that. But the whole point of it was there was a little camaraderie there that, that, that existed. So he loved them. And then Mary anointed his feet. But here's the thing that, that I'm going to help you with this whole story as it's written down. Did you realize that this account that we're, we're having about Lazarus was actually written 40 years after Jesus had already ascended to the Father. So 40 years of reflection is the only way that they could have said this, put this story together, that Mary was the one who washed, washed uh, his feet. That happened after Lazarus was, was raised, from the, raised from the dead. Here's one thing you should bear in mind, that uh, we must be careful not to allow our expectation or doctrine to be influenced by things that we know after the fact. If we understand after the fact that, that what Jesus was up to in the first place, perhaps we wouldn't have such a reaction that, that we're going to witness in a few moments. Love is trusting, even when you do not know what the final outcome will be. Belief is strengthened when it is not attached to the way that we expect things to turn out. And doubt should not take over when we don't get an immediate response to our request. I know kids do this all the time. If you love me, you do this. If you really, really love me, you'd let me go spend time with my friends. If you love me, you'd buy this for me. This, this is not the proper way where we can evaluate whether someone loves us or not, whether they do the things we want them to do. Waiting for Jesus to respond to our request is an opportunity to increase our faith. And so here's one perspective that we have out here. Jesus says to the the disciples, he's asleep, but I intend to wake him up. And in common words, but it's a little bit too early. But when they really don't get it and don't don't really get his program, the idea that we we discover is that that somehow in all of this going on, that there's something that needs to change. So Jesus' love for us is not affected by our expectation as to the time frame that will prove his love to us. Everything that Jesus does or does not do is to strengthen our faith and our confidence in him. Now, Jesus' timing in coming to the place uh, where where Lazarus was, was to fortify the belief in the power of the resurrection. According to the Jewish custom or, or, or whether you call it folklore or whatever it happened to be, they did not really consider someone actually dead until they'd been, been in, in, in the grave or been in a tomb for four days. They felt that for the first three days, the spirit of that person would hover around, and there's a possibility that they might come back. So Jesus threw that theory out of the window by staying those extra days. When you read the scripture, it says, you know, that Jesus finds out that he says that he's supposed to, supposed to go to Mary and Martha's place, and it's like he ne- nobody said anything. He stays a couple more days, but he doesn't really care. Well, 
finally, Jesus is on the scene, and, uh, and as he's coming to the place where they want him to come, Martha meets him on the road. And Martha just comes right out with and verbalizes her disappointment in Jesus' response to Lazarus. Her first response was that, that if he had been there, this would not have happened. How many times have you said to the Lord, if you had intervened, this wouldn't have happened? Oh, we don't say it probably as, as blatantly as, as Martha did. But we have these subtle ways that we come after the Lord when we feel like he just didn't come in the right time. Because if he showed up sooner, none of this would have happened. Well, then she subdued some of her frustration when she said, even now I know whatever you ask God, he will give you. I think maybe she came back to reality for a moment. But when she says the, the word even now, it's one of those things, I hope there's an alternative plan because, you know, you could do something really if you really wanted to. Well, the resurrection of Lazarus was not anything anywhere in her thinking as a possibility. Because what she says about him, she said to him, she said, he said, she says to her, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, shall live, and whoever lives uh, <clears throat> and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You know what's interesting? She didn't answer the question. She says, she said to him, Lord, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. That's all she says. She didn't address the issue. And a lot of times we evade the issue of what Jesus is asking from us, of our, our confession of faith of what we believe he's able to do. Well, getting to know the resurrection in spite of your disappointment. I will note I'm substituting Jesus, the word Jesus, rather than getting to know Jesus, I'm saying getting to know the resurrection in spite of your disappointments. Jesus will walk with us through our pain of disappointment and disillusionment. And Mary thought it was over and was ready to move on. But Jesus put these words out there, and I, and I want to say them to you because we're going to end up in that particular place, but I want to give you a little uh, a preview of where we're going to end up. Jesus says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the resurrection knows no boundaries. There's nothing that I, can, that I can't do. There's nothing that, that, that you have declared as being dead that I can't put, bring back to life again. And so Jesus met, uh, met uh, her. And he says, those who believe in Jesus shall never die is a promise. It's not only a promise for them, it's a promise for now. He who believe in him shall never die. Well, Jesus met Mary because of Martha before he got to the house. And her emotions brought her to brought her to her knees. She just falls down to her knees. And I can see this because of the tender heart of Mary. She says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And so she's saying this with all the passions within her. And and the people are just realizing that Jews are with her and far as, as things are going on. And then the Jews went with her to the house trying to comfort her. And so they felt that she's going to the tomb and to weep. And then Mary came to Jesus and says the same thing. If you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. No matter what our emotional case or state of mind is, our belief system is, you let us down. So she believed that if Jesus uh, had been there, something different would have happened. 
I love Jesus' response, but it didn't come really true until after he did something that I think all of us failed to really recognize. He asked her a question. He says, where have you laid him? And, and she says, Lord, come and see. Here's probably the most powerful verse in the New Testament. And I've challenged myself on this because it's, just, it's the shortest verse. But it, it declares something about Jesus that, we, that I think that we'll understand. And so Jesus, for the moment, he, he, the Bible says that he, he wept. He took the time to not register their complaints, but he took the time to register their pain. And isn't it interesting, as he's taking this particular side or, or this influence, people saw it in two different ways. You know, and so when he, when he says this, then the Jews say, they said, see how he loved him. But then there was another camp that says, and some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? It seems like you can't win sometimes. Because on one side they say, oh, how he loves him. And the other side says, oh, he could have prevented this from happening. Why did they have to go through this? Let me just pause for a moment. And let's look at our world today. Many people are asking the question over and over again, why are we going through what we're going through? Why has this virus affected the whole world? You know, could God have not have prevented this? But here's something that I think that we have to really recognize that if we, if Jesus, if we believe that Jesus is the one that we're going to put our trust in, we have to be willing to obey or, or to answer, to respond to what he's asking. He says, well, where have you laid him? Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. There was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. I want to say this to you. I want to say it to me. If we expect the resurrection power to have its impact on our life, there are some stones that are in our life that will interfere with him responding or acting in the place of the resurrection. Taking away the way the stone is asking us to do this. We must give access to the things in our life that we're really not too proud about. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time <clears throat> there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. You think he didn't know that? We have to not respond to what we think is going to happen, but be obedient regardless of the stench of what we think we might experience or the embarrassment or whatever it might be. We must choose to believe that he is, is who he says he is. And he says, when he says, I'm the resurrection, there has to be room in our heart to you know, process the fact if there's resurrection, then somehow the stench will be dealt with. We must let go of our excuses that will prevent us from demonstrating his power, from him, from demonstrating his power over the things that we have buried. So Jesus does what he does so well. He calls out these the words, Lazarus, come forth. I want you today to at least entertain the idea or the thought <clears throat> that you're willing 
to allow Jesus to call you out and to say to you, or to say to your situation, Lazarus, come forth. But you got to believe him. You got to do what. You got to take him to the place first. And then when you've removed the stone, he could have removed the stone, but you've got to remove the stone. And Jesus will speak the words of life and bring those things into being. And so they remove the stone and he, he, he prays his prayer, Father, I know, <clears throat> I thank you that you, you've heard me. And I know that you'll always hear me. But because of the people who are standing here, I said this. Now, when he said these things, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And, uh, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with gray clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. Now listen to this. And Jesus said to them, to us, to me, to you, loosen. How do you loosen? How do you loose those things you thought were dead? You've got to get let go of doubt, fear, and unbelief. Jesus will bring the miracle into place where there's some things that we still have to deal with on a regular, practical basis. Doubt, fear, and unbelief we will be facing until we see Jesus face to face. But when Jesus says, lose him, that is is a deputization upon us to get rid of doubt, fear, and unbelief so we can have the very things that we're asking for. Well, let's go into Luke uh, for this last little time that we have together. Luke chapter 24 verse 13 through 17. This is a, an amazing time that that <clears throat> kind of fixes the story back on Jesus because we're, we've spent so much time with Lazarus. In just a few moments, we'll have this taken care of. Now, picking up at verse 13, it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day in the village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together uh, of all the things that had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is that you uh, have with one another as you walk and are sad? Well, talking with the resurrection and yet being unaware. Notice I say, not talking with Jesus, but talking with the resurrection or talking with the very thing or the very person you're talking about and not recognizing it. Well, Jesus joined the conversation of these two disciples and the two men were talking about uh, with each other about the crucifixion of Jesus as if it were a dream or an event. And I think it's one of the dangers of us as believers. Sometimes we just talk about Jesus as an event or, or a dream and not really into the reality of who he is in our lives. So, they're reasoning with themselves about the events that, that, and uh, as if they, they wanted them to be true. And Jesus kept them from really discovering who he was to really, so they would expose their heart to what they were really feeling. Well, Jesus asked regarding the things that were part of their conversation and their testimony about Jesus. This is what they believed about him. Well, he's a prophet. And then they said, then they, they realized that he had been crucified and they were hoping that this prophet, Jesus, would free Israel. They didn't get the whole impact of what Jesus had said about salvation, about restoration, about heaven, that type of thing. They just they had a limited focus of who they thought Jesus was. Well, they went on. Then 
it, it mentions their names and then it happened, all the things that happened that day. But here we get to the last part. Jesus prophesies to them. And then he comes to a place, he says, he comes to a place, he says, uh, he says, a certain, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was as the women said. And then Jesus says this, then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow to heart to believe, and all the prophets have spoken. Ought this Christ have suffered these things and to enter to um, <clears throat> to enter into his glory? Now here's the last piece, and we're just about done. Then they drew near a village and where they were going, and they indicated that he would go for that he would would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he sent, and he went to stay with them. Now it came to pass as they sat at the table with them that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Well, here we come to this conclusion that Jesus broke bread with them. And this is a, this is a powerful thing that we can, we can come to. He had a, a, a four promised that he would have full communion with them, but it wasn't going to happen at this meal. And so they just broke bread together, and all of a sudden, somehow they knew it was Jesus. I have a theory. It is not doesn't have, I don't have to be right. But somehow as they're breaking bread together, could it have been that maybe he had a sleeve garment and maybe it went up far enough to where they could see the prince and his nail prints in his hand, and then they said, huh, this is Jesus? It's just a theory. It's a thought. But again, maybe it was the kindness of Jesus of really opening up himself to all the things that have. They put it together and says, oh, it's Jesus. And then immediately he's gone. Well, here's, here was, here's their confession. Didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the way? There's sometimes after the fact we realize that he was with us all the time. We didn't really discover that. But here's the things that happened. And this is great. And so they said to one another, do not, uh, excuse me. So they rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those uh, who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told them the things that had happened on the road and how he was made known to them at the breaking of bread. Well, here's our conclusion. The resurrection, after they really after they really saw who Jesus was, changed their direction. They were headed down the Emmaus Road, but all of a sudden they said, oh, we got to go back and tell everybody what we've seen. Again, they became living witnesses to the resurrection because they saw Jesus, so they had to tell somebody. And then the proof of Jesus' resurrection occurred at the table, and so they had to share that whole testimony. Resurrection becomes real when three things happen. One, when you meet someone who has met him, and I want to say this to all you believers out there, the resurrection will become real to people as you as a believer are a testimony to the fact that you've met the resurrected Jesus, and they'll never know unless you tell them. Secondly, when there was a burning in, when there's a, a burning in your heart because of your encounter with him. In other words, you can't help yourself from telling somebody about all the goodness that he's bestowed in your life. And lastly, when you share the hope of his glory, 
you just can't help sharing it with others. You go back and you, you help the disciples. You affirm the fact that, yes, indeed, you've seen him. Resurrection power empowers the believer in the heart of all, empowers the hearts of all believers. The spirit of resurrection is in the heart of all believers, all of you today. The spirit of the resurrection will give life to the things that you thought once thought were dead. The spirit of resurrection will bring to life the things that you thought were forgotten and lost. The spirit of resurrection, and remember I'm talking the spirit of Jesus, will bring back things to a new existence so you can believe again. And last, the same spirit in Romans that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and will give life to your body and bring life to the things that you've declared dead by the world. I want to pray with you as I'm closing today. And I'm asking you this very simple question. Has the spirit of resurrection taken over your life to the degree that you're, you're not only realizing that there has been a change, but you're willing to let go of all of your disappointment of the way you thought it was going to be, and you're going to trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit to take you to a di deeper dimension with him? I would ask you also to do like those two men that were on the Emmaus Road, that, that there's no greater testimony than someone who's been with Jesus that they tell someone else of what they've discovered. So let's pray and see how God would, would change us. Father, on this great Resurrection Day, we ask the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Resurrection, the same Spirit that raised, uh, that raised Christ from the dead, that he would dwell in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we'd be able to testify of his goodness, of his love. Lord, help us to get away from the idea that somehow that God's got the wrong timing, because in the precursor of Lazarus being raised from the dead, there's so many things that, that could have happened, and, and the way that, that, that was being slandered by the people that seen Lazarus' resurrection. They were going to try to use that against Jesus. But Lord, it just set the stage for him to come forth with power and glory. I pray in the lives of people that today that they would choose to believe that he is Christ, the Son of God, who's taking away the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus, that we can celebrate you this day. We give all glory and honor and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We pray that you have been blessed by listening to the message. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the Word every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you have a prayer need, we welcome you to submit it through our website. We'd love to pray for you. Will you consider supporting us with your prayer and financial gifts? God bless you.